0: As we continue our study through the Gospel of Matthew, uh, this morning we're going to study three separate parables, but these three separate parables, I believe, have similar meanings. The first parable we're going to look at is the wheat and the weeds. The second parable is the birds and the branches. And then the third parable is the leaven in the loaf. And here we see, beginning in verse 24 of Matthew 13, it says, In another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. And so the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, Did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. And so the servant said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, First, gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them but gather the wheat into my barn. You know, a lot of times when you're you know, preparing for a study, one of the things the books tell you to do, and they call it homiletics, is to have like a theme of, of the, of the you know, study, like a synopsis sentence. And for me, I think the synopsis sentence for the study today is actually a verse over in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, where the Bible says this. It says, Be sober. Be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That's really the synopsis of today's study, you guys. And as I was there, you know, we were singing this morning. I was looking at the different lives that are here today. And, you know, we love all of you guys. We really do. God put that love inside of us. We know that you are in a battle. And we want you to win the battle. You know, last week we saw that the battle belongs to the Lord. And that was such an awesome study that Pastor Bob Hoekstra gave to us last week. But in a sense, today's study is like the flip side of that. Because although the battle belongs to the Lord, you and I need to fight the good fight. Because if we don't, then, you know, what's going to happen? Well, the enemy will come in. And he's seeking whom he may devour. let me tell you, over the years, as a Christian, as a pastor, as people you know around me involved in ministry, I've seen a lot of people serving in ministry in different capacities. Some as pastors, some as ushers. It doesn't matter where you're at in the spectrum of the ministry. I've seen many, many casualties over the years. And we just don't want that to happen. And so today's study is a real lesson for us, you guys. If we take heart to the things that we'll hear today, I believe that God can give us things to help us to win this battle, to fight the good fight, and to finish the race. Now we read here in verse 24 that the Lord again is speaking parables to them. He puts this parable forth to them. And remember, as we study the parables, that Jesus spoke these parables not intending to hide the truth from anyone, but actually intending to plant the truth In Everyone what had happened up to this point in his ministry is jesus had gone around and he was teaching the people here We're going to see they were in Galilee, but the people weren't really listening He was speaking, but they weren't really hearing he was trying to share things with them and they could see with their eyes But they couldn't really see with their heart And so he really wanted to communicate these truths to them. And so he began to speak In parables to them, what he would give them as illustrations, everyday stories, so that these truths would be illuminated to their hearts. They were earthly stories with heavenly meanings so that they could really begin to understand the things that he was sharing with them. You know, Jesus was an amazing teacher, but the people were not listening. And as they're sharing the parables, as Jesus is there, you know the people would be very familiar with the things the Lord was sharing with them. As an agricultural society, they would definitely be familiar with farming. And so he taught the truths about the kingdom of God. And here we see this parable right here. It's like a man, he says, who sowed good seed in his field. And so you can visualize that, right? But while he slept, the enemy came in, it says, and sowed tares among the wheat. Now, the tares were literally a a, a weed known as a darnel weed. And they would spring forth, and immediately when they would spring forth, it didn't matter how good of a farmer you were, you would not be able to distinguish the difference between the tares and the wheat. But later on, when the time for fruit had arrived and the grain sprouted, the weeds then among the wheat would be easily identified and these darnel weeds they actually carried seeds of poison and that is what's going on in the kingdom you guys there are tares among the wheat and that's a heavy message you know sad to say you know in the farming community even nowadays enemies continue to sow bad seed among good seed in farmlands all around the world and so when this took place here in the parable the servants asked jesus they said you know they asked the owner should we uproot the tares and the owner said no lest while you gather the tares there in verse 29 you also uproot the wheat with them listen let them both grow together until the harvest and at the time of the harvest i will say to the reapers first Gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. Now it's so cool when it comes to this parable right here. We don't have to wonder really what it means. Because again, this is one of those great times in which Jesus gave to us the interpretation. Because look what he says down in verse 36 of chapter 13. It says, and then Jesus sent the multitudes away and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, "'Explain to us the parable of the tares of the field.' And he answered and said to them... And Jesus just gives identification. It's amazing. He says, this is the way it works. "'He who sows the good seed is the son of man. "'The field is the world. "'The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, "'but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. "'The enemy who sowed them is the devil. "'The harvest is the end of the age.' And the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tariffs are gathered and bundled in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. And There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth, and then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears to hear. Literally in the Greek, it says he better listen. (laughs) This is heavy stuff, you guys. It really is. As Jesus gives us here the interpretation, he, he really gives us the identification of all the symbolism found in the parables. And the first thing he says is that the sower of the good seed is the son of man. And that kind of reminds me of the verse over in Matthew chapter 16 where Jesus Christ said, I will build my church. I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not prevail. You see, the Lord is the one who's building this church, the Lord is the one who's building the church. Jesus is the sower of the sons of the kingdom. You know, when it comes to the kingdom, please understand this, you guys Jesus is the primary planter, He is the sower, He is the Savior. Now, he does use people, but may we never forget that people are just vessels. What this thing is that we're doing right here, it's a Jesus work. He is the sower of the good seed. That's Jesus, the Son of Man. Now, he identifies here the field as the world. And, you know, all across the world, it's so cool to know that Jesus is planting his people. That Jesus Christ all across the world, in China, in Afghanistan, in Iraq, and Iran, Jesus is planting his people. Jesus is saving souls. Jesus is establishing ministers and ministries. Jesus is doing the work. It's so cool to know. You know, you and I, we are called to be not of this world, right? But please understand, you guys, we are in the world. And we want to be in the world as a light I would point people to him. Here Jesus interprets the parable for us. And he says, first of all, I'm the one who's sowing the good seeds. You got to know that. Even though we praise God for the vessels that he uses, let's make sure that our eyes are fixed on Jesus. And then he says, listen, and it's the thing that's going on. I'm planting these people all over the world. You know, it's okay for the boat to be in the water, right? That's where we're supposed to be. But it's not okay for the water to be in the boat. We need to remember this, you guys. We're we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. And then he says right here that the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. And that's what you guys are, man. You guys are good seeds. Jesus has planted you as Christians into the world. And probably one of my favorite titles as a Christian is that you and I are children of God. Isn't that so cool to know? The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. I mean, you guys know as parents how much you love your children, right? I mean, don't you squeeze them until it hurts them? I mean, don't you guys do that, right? I mean, don't they melt your hearts? Don't you want the best for your children? You love them so much. There's no one like your children. And yet, God is trying to communicate to us, you're my child, you're my son, you're my daughter. See, the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. And it's so cool for us to know that. Like the Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 12, as many as received him, to them he gave the right. To become children of God. And that's who we are. We are the sons of the king. We are the sons, it says, of the kingdom. And that kind of means that we're citizens of a different world, huh? I mean, we're supposed to be different than the world that we live in. We're supposed to be going against the flow. We are citizens of heaven. And therefore, our conduct should be fitting as representatives of the King. But as children, and here's where we begin to get into the parable, this is not a playground. This is a battleground. And that's really where the parable begins to take the turn and and what really Jesus wants to communicate to us. Because look what he says again there in verse 25 of Matthew 13. He says, But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares, It says right there, among the wheat, among the wheat, the enemy came and he sowed tares. It's amazing when you think about it, but what Jesus is trying to communicate to us is that in the Father's field, there are these poisonous weeds among the wheat. And basically what Jesus is trying to give to us here is an awareness, and he wants us To know, and I think we kind of already know this, but we need to really be reminded that not everyone who names the name of Christ is a Christian. They may, you know, be here in church and you think, oh, they go a lot and they know a lot, but they're not really Christians. They're weeds among the wheat. Yeah, but they're in the field, and there they are. They dress like a Christian, and they confess to be Christian. And from a distance, they seem to walk like a Christian and talk like a Christian. And Jesus is saying, no. The bottom line is, we need to understand. There just needs to be like an awareness that not everybody in this field, not everybody who names the name of Christ is a Christian. Jesus is just teaching us straight out. Some of the people are sons. Of the wicked one. And, and we need to be aware of that. See, we don't walk around necessarily, you know, like suspicious of everybody. Hmm. You know, we're not like that. But we do walk around smart. We're smarter than that. Who do you hang out with? Who do you go out with? Are they really Christians? It takes time to tell. They might be a wolf in sheep's clothing. They might be a weed instead of a wheat. It takes time and we got to know these things. And the Lord is trying to tell us, listen, the enemy who sowed them is the devil. And the the blunt biblical truth is that, you know, there are two families in the world, you guys. There's the divine family and there's the devil family. There's the sons of the kingdom and there's the sons of the enemy of God. And, you know, this is different than our biological families. Here in the spiritual family, we decide which family we belong to. Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Have you really truly surrendered your life and yielded to your life? Is he really Lord of your life? And we need to make sure that we come to the Lord so that we can be his son and not sons of the enemy. world that we live in you know one of the things that you'll hear out there when you listen to oprah or some of the different talk shows that are out there you know they say that everybody's a child of god but that's not biblical the bible says that you're either a child of god or you're a child of the devil john chapter 8 verse 44 jesus told the people who wanted to kill him and destroy him he said you are of your father the devil and the desires of your father you want to do You see, the enemy comes in, and and here's where we just kind of get into that practical application, you guys. We love you. We want you to win in this life. We know that there are many casualties out there. Many people have died in this war. We've seen it with our own eyes, and we just don't want that to happen to you. Be sober. Be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is walking around even now like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. And so we want God to speak to us. Lord, I don't want to be a casualty. I know the enemy is coming in and he's trying to plant bad seed in the church around the world. I know the enemy is coming in and he's trying to plant bad seed in this church. I know the enemy is coming in and he's trying to plant bad seed in my home. I know the enemy is coming in and he's trying to plant bad seed in my heart. And we need to have an awareness of this so that we won't be defeated. You know, one of the strategies of Satan, we've seen it over the years, is he'll persecute the church from without. And all over the world today and from the very get-go, man, the enemy has come in and he's, you know, killed Christians. He's, you know, flayed Christians. He's pulled them apart with beasts. He's set, you know, tar on them and lit them as uh, fire and Lights and so many things, imprisoned. But he found that when he persecutes the church like that, that they grow. That persecution from the outside purifies the church and makes it stronger. He knows that. And so he's gotten smart over the years. And rather than persecuting the church from the outside, he infiltrates the church from the inside. And he does more damage that way than the other way. See, the darnel weed, it has poisonous seeds. And they begin to infect other people. And then the church becomes weak, not supernatural. And the church begins to compromise. And the church begins to get distracted when the enemy comes into the church. And that's why Jesus is saying he's carrying this parable with us because, number one, he really wants us to have an awareness of these things that this really does happen, you know? I'm a pretty gullible person by nature. That's just the way that I am. You know, Shelly just destroyed me on April 1st. I mean, it's just an awesome awesome day. I told you guys the worst one she told me once was that my, my dog died on April Fool's Day, and I was devastated, and... You know, people, you know, come, and I remember when we first started the ministry, you know, people would come, and, you know, they would ask for money or just different things like that, and, you know, by nature, I would just tend to believe, yeah, they're telling the truth, and yes, they're sincere, and yes, they're really looking for a job, and yes, they've done their best, and so, you know, we would just, you know, not really use a lot of discernment in a lot of times, and then, you know, the Lord just really began to, teach me you got to go against the grain you really got to use more discernment than that you have to be more perceptive than that you have to remember Manny, that the enemy will come in as a wolf in sheep's clothing and so you got to wait you know when getting involved in the ministry here it takes a few months you know because we want to make sure that you come to this church not just because you want to serve somewhere but because this is the home that god's called you to this is the home that God has called you to. And then when you do want to get involved in ministry, you have to fill out an application. You know, we ask for fingerprints, you know, all that kind of stuff. And we should, huh? Anyways, um, then what we do when it comes to ministry, we'll take it to the elders and we begin to pray over it. Some people go and they start ministries and it hasn't even been approved by the elders yet. And that's cool. If you want to do that, that's fine. But there's no accountability there. See, what we try to do is we try to ask the Lord, Lord, you know, show us things. It takes time. It really does. And that's all this is, you guys. We need an understanding that in the field of the Father, among the wheat, I know there are weeds. We just know that. Why? Because that's what the Bible teaches. And so the enemy comes in like a wolf in sheep's clothing and he plants his sons of wickedness and they spread their attitudes of division. Their attitudes of disobedience. Their attitudes of defiance. And they infect the church with their poison. Please understand, you guys, Jesus wants us to be aware of the fact that not everyone who names the name of Christ is truly a Christian. We need to make sure and wait and see, do they really know the Lord? Are they a weety or are they a weedy? That's what we need to really find out, man. Are they a saint or an ain't? And the Lord tells us this, first of all, so that we will examine our own lives, I believe, and then secondly, to protect us. I mean, you may come to church, and you may think because you've been to church you know, three weeks in a row now that you're a Christian. And you know, one of the things, again, that I've shared with you guys before that we have to be real careful with as a leadership here is we don't want to give anyone a doubt of their salvation if they're saved. We definitely don't want to do that. But neither do we want to give anyone an assurance of salvation when they're not. Why? Because when you die, it's forever. You can't change it after you die. And so now, one of the things the Bible says in Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, it says, Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. And that's cool. Paul told the Corinthians, man, examine yourselves. Are you really a Christian? Are you really a Christian? I mean, I go a lot. I know a lot. Does not make you a Christian? It doesn't matter if you've been circumcised or baptized or hypnotized. I've told you guys before. Canonized. I don't care if the church has canonized you. You have to examine your life. Coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. Is Jesus really the Lord of your life? Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And that's what the Lord is trying to communicate here. You know, as I teach through the Bible, it's so cool. I don't get to choose what to teach. He does. This is what he chose for today. He says, among the wheat, there are weeds. And so one thing to do is to examine our own life. You know, do you really know the Lord? Because if not, when you die, Jesus says, they bundle them together and they throw them in the fire. Today's the day of salvation. Today. Give your life to Christ. It's so important that we know this is not a religion. This is a relationship. We have to have that understanding. You know, the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19, Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. You know, this parable right here is for our examination, but it's also for, I believe, our own protection. You know, as sons of the wicked one are planted here among us, We need to be more careful in so many ways. Like I said, who we hang out with, who we go out with, who we like, who we are like, who we fall in love with, who we put into ministry. We have to be more careful in all these areas. You know, the enemy's agenda is to come in. And so let's not be ignorant of his devices. doesn't matter if it's a global movement, you know, Today in the world, the mentality of the world is that Mormons are Christians and Jehovah Witnesses are Christians and Christian scientists are Christians and the World Council of the Church are Christians, but they're not. They're not. They may name the name of Christ, but they're not. It doesn't matter if it's a global movement or even a personal movement. We need to be aware and we need to be Awake, You know, one thing I noticed, if you would, turn back to verse 25. And look what it says again, you guys. It says, But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Now, you know, this might just be, you know, part of life. I mean, Jesus might just be saying, you know, well, you got to sleep sometimes. And so, you know, it was just done by stealth. And it was done when, you know, maybe... You know, they could do nothing about it. But the interesting thing is this when you look at the Greek grammar, it's in the present tense, and literally it says, but while men were sleeping. Some other versions translate it that way. While men were sleeping. So you mean to tell me there's nothing we can do about this? That the enemy can just come in whenever he wants and plant the sons of darkness amongst the disciples? I think the Lord tells us, yes, there is something you can do about this. You can set men to watch. 24-7, somebody's always watching. That's what they could have done then, right? And that's what we need to do now. It applies to the church. It applies to the ministry. It applies to the home. It applies to the heart. The bottom line is this, you guys. If we sleep spiritually, then the enemy will come in. The wicked one. And seeds of Satan will be planted. And that's the principle that we see all throughout Scripture, huh? The Bible says what? Watch. The Bible tells the leaders in the church, you know, you're overseers of souls. Now, the word overseers, it means that you don't go to sleep. We can't sleep spiritually. Why? Because then enemy will come in and do his damage. You know, he's just waiting for us to sleep so that he can do his thing did you guys know that we let our guard down we begin to compromise in areas and we're going to see how all this works together when we look at the other parables but the devil is just waiting for you to sleep so that he can get a toehold and then a foothold and then a stranglehold in many of our lives and some of us here we know the enemy has already come in we need to be careful You know, it kind of reminds me of uh, sometimes, you know, in in our car, it's so funny the way this happens. Um, My son, Aaron, you know, he falls asleep while we're driving. You know how it is when your kids fall asleep when you're driving, you know? Some kids are more prone to fall asleep, right? It's just so so funny. And so, you know, the funny thing about Aaron, though, is that when he falls asleep, you know, it's no big deal. But afterwards, we tell him, hey, son, you get a little nap. Well, that's cool. I wasn't asleep. He'll say, uh, I didn't fall asleep. No, I was just resting my eyes, right? <laughs> and so what we did, I remember one day we were going somewhere, and I told Ariel, I said, listen, sweetheart, when he falls asleep, because I knew he would, I want you to take a picture of him, okay? <laughs> and that was kind of mean, but, you know, it, it just, I don't know, you know. So you know what we were doing? We are just waiting for him to fall asleep. Just waiting. And when he did, we took a picture of him. <laughs> and that's what the enemy's doing. Oh, I know him. He'll fall asleep in yeah, a couple of minutes. He'll let his guard down. I know her. She'll fall asleep. She's like a roller coaster, up and down. And when she gets down, I'll get in. And we can't do that. It says right here, while men were sleeping, the enemy came in and he sowed bad seeds. And that's why you and I need to be so careful, you know. I mean, it's kind of a funny thing, you know, when I look at the church today and I just think about 1 Peter 5 8, how the enemy is coming in and is trying to do his thing. And, you know, you've probably heard it said that all that's necessary for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. And that's really where we're at, you guys. We're in a battle. We really are. We have an enemy, whether you want to acknowledge that or not, we do. And if we're just the kickback crackerjack Christians, if we're just committed to cruise control, if we're not sober, if we're not serious, if we end up sleeping, then the enemy will come in and plant weeds among the wheat. And so I just really want to encourage you guys to understand what Jesus is teaching. You know, the answer to all this is really very simple. You know, when you look at the balance, like last week, such a great study. If you weren't here, I really encourage you to go online and maybe listen to the study there, or you can pick up a CD. I know it's expensive, but you know what? Grab one of those, and you can get a study from last week. But how the battle belongs to the Lord, and so then you are trying to say, okay, if the battle belongs to the Lord, then then how does this study, you know, coincide with that? And and I think the way it works is this: if we do the possible then God will do the impossible. If we engage our hearts to be committed to good works, then God will do wonders. We do have a responsibility. We do have... Uh, one of the things I think that is so important for us to be involved in is just we need to be committed to be people of prayer. If you're not praying, then you're sleeping. We need to pay attention. We need to pray attention, right? Most of you have probably heard the story of how they penetrated the great walls of China. It's an amazing thing when you study those great walls of China and how, uh, you know, no one could possibly, you know, I, I guess you could say penetrate those walls or, or, you know, scale those walls. But what they didn't realize is all the enemy had to do was to come into the front door, you know, to, to bribe the, the gatekeeper. And in a sense, that's what happens to us. The enemy comes in, he, he bribes us, and he gains access into our life. You know, I've had dreams. One of my most craziest dreams I think I've shared with you guys before is there I was, I remember this dream. The devil was trying to get into my house. And he was checking all the windows. And he was checking all the doors. He was just, you know, longing to gain access into my house. And I remember, finally, I was, I was flying down the... You know, the stairs up and down, I was in good shape in my dream. And then what ended up happening was I went to the front door, and boom, he pushed it in, and he opened it a little bit. And so I'm pushing, and he's pushing, and then by God's grace, I'm crying out to Jesus Christ, and I close the door, lock it. And then from that day on, my, my, my prayers always are like this, God, lock the door. And he knows what that means, because the enemy's trying to get in. And we need to weed out all the wickedness. But even better than that, just praying, God, don't let him plant those things at all. You know, we need to do the possible. God will do the impossible. We need to go and commit ourselves to good works and God will do the wonders. We need to, like the Bible says in Proverbs 21, 31, the horse is prepared for the day of battle, but deliverance is of the Lord. You see, there's the balance. We sling the stone. And God directs it into the forehead of Goliath. We have a responsibility as Christians. We need to stay awake so that God will guard the city. It's so cool what ends up happening. You know, you look at this and you're thinking, man, well, why is he so, you know, worked up about this? Because this is so important, you guys. I mean, look what it says right there. It says in verse 39, the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are the angels. And then he speaks about hell. In verse 40, Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all those things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. You see, the Lord gives the identification, and the primary message here is the destination. He says, therefore, here's what this is all about. There is a hell, and there is a heaven. And that's why we need to take this battle so much more seriously. You know, whenever we find ourselves lapsing in faith, or you know, not really serious about the Lord, I think it's because we forget there's a hell. And we forget there's a heaven. We forget there's a harvest. We forget there's the end of the age. We forget there's the reapers. And God wants us to have all these things in the forefront of our mind. Here we see the Lord teaches us regarding hell. I know it's not a popular theological subject nowadays, but it's so important for us to remember that hell is a real place. You know, nowadays, and as time persists, some of you younger people here, I want to just share with you, be ready for the days when most of the church doesn't believe in hell that's the the route of the church now and yet the bible teaches it ever so clearly never ever forget never ever compromise in that area that there really is a hell of everlasting punishment it reminds me of kind of a story i remember reading about, uh, I guess it was a prison ministry, and there was a chaplain who used to go in there, a real faithful guy, used to teach the word. Heaven, hell, you need Jesus. That's what the Bible says. Repent of your sins and receive Christ as your Lord and Savior so that you may be saved. And then one day he died, and they got a new chaplain in. And the new chaplain came in and said, Hey, I want you guys to know I don't believe all that stuff. God's too good to make a place called hell. And so the prisoners began to talk amongst themselves, what should we do? And they were smart. Even though they were you know, prisoners there, they were freedmen of Christ. And they came to the new chaplain who had compromised the doctrine of hell and said, listen, if there is no hell, we don't need you. And if there is a hell, we don't want you. We don't want anyone who would compromise God's word. And we know Jesus taught more about hell than he did about heaven. We even see it here. He devoted three verses to that, one verse to heaven. Why? Why would God talk so much about hell? Well, because he says that he is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so God over and over says that he wants none to go there. It's kind of interesting. We read here, it says right there, in verse 40, that the tares are gathered and burned in the fire. And it's the same thing that John the Baptist had said earlier. But then in verse 41, it says, And they will gather out of his kingdom all those things that offend and those who practice lawlessness. And The New Living Translation puts it this way. And they will remove from my kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And then one day, you and I, it says right there, verse 43, as Christians will be in heaven. It says, And then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You see, we're in a battle. I know a lot of times what we end up doing, you guys, is we you know separate our church life from our home life. You might separate Sundays from other days, but we can't do that. We always have to be awake. And we always have to be engaged in this battle that's going on because it's a battle for souls, your soul, the souls of your children, the souls of your coworkers, your family, your friends. It's a, it's a battle for their souls regarding heaven and hell. You know, I, I, I can't wait until I get to heaven, man. It, it's going to be a cool thing. I've been telling Shelly lately, I think it's going to come pretty soon, sweetheart. I am. Um, You know, I'm out of shape and, you know, just different things. And so be ready. And she's like, oh, what if I go first? I'm like, no, it's not going to work that way. And, you know, no one knows, man. No one knows. You know, we did a funeral last week of a young man, younger than me. He passed away. He went to sleep and he died in his sleep. No one knows the day or the hour. The Bible says our life is like a vapor. That's why today we have to settle the account where will we end when we die? Here we see the Lord speaks about heaven. I like what Warren Wearsby says. He says, Heaven is not just a destination, it's a motivation. You know, and it really is, man. We think about it. It's going to be so amazing when we're there. The Bible says, No more tears, no more death, no more sorrow, no more pain. God will be our God. We will dwell with him, and we will be his people. And we will gather from the tree of life forever and ever it says right here that we're going to shine forth like the sun that's pretty amazing when you think about that daniel said the same thing in chapter 12 verse 3 those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever you know our bodies are breaking down huh you guys know how it is man i was trying to show you i got pains here i got pains here you know, I got a gray hair, a new gray hair every day. I mean, I'm just falling apart. And some of you here, you're probably thinking, that's nothing, man. You just see what I'm going through. And you're barely making it through life. And, and you know, it's time to get the new body, huh? We're going to have not a terrestrial body, but a celestial body. We're going to shine forth, it says, like the sun. And that's what the Lord wants to communicate to us. I like what it says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 18. But the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. This is not our home. This is not our home. Don't get too comfortable here. Remember, you guys, heaven is our home. You know, the Lord speaks to us because there is a battle going on. We're children of God, but we're not in a playground. We're also soldiers of God. We are in a battleground. And we need to fight the good fight like Paul the Apostle did. We read that in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And so the Lord teaches us with the parable of the wheat and the weeds. And I think you probably understand it's so simple to see. But then he also shares a couple of quick parables. One is the birds and the branches, and the other is the leaven and the lump. Because look what he says in verse 31. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it is sown... It is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Another parable, he spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. Now, you look at these three parables here, separate, but I believe similar. And and they all kind of work together. Now, some people in reading the parable of the mustard seed right there, you know, they're good Bible teachers, and I definitely don't want to come against them in any way. But they teach that what this parable communicates is that the Christian church, it's just a little seed... You know, it's one of the smallest seeds. In the Palestinian days, the mustard seed, although it wasn't literally the smallest, was, you know, generally accepted. It was like a common saying of an illustration of something super small. And so they were saying, you know, the, the Christian church is so small, but one day it's going to grow so big, and, you know, it's going to be so huge that the birds of the air will come and nest in its branches. That, that's what some Bible teachers believe that this parable communicates. And they kind of believe the same thing in the next parable how you know it's kind of like just a little bit of leaven and then one day it just affects the whole loaf the whole world there are some people who believe that christianity one day will just affect the whole world and we're all going to be good through the sharing of the gospel like that and it's going to affect the world like that but but you know what that's not what i believe this parables teach i believe they all go together and they all have a little bit of a angle regarding these truths because what we see here is that the mustard seed it goes in and then it has like kind of like an abnormal growth. It grows bigger and he he kind of communicates that so that then what happens is it's so big that the birds of the air would come and nest in his branches. Now that's not something that normally would happen to a mustard bush. But in this case there's an abnormal growth and the birds do come and nest in. And again what I believe is that the birds are bad. The birds are bad. As a matter of fact, if you go back to Matthew chapter 13, we see that Jesus says right here in verse 19, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. Now, the wicked one is the birds, it says in the parable of the soils. And so again, it just communicates the same thing that the Enemy comes in that there's weeds among the wheat, that there are birds in the branches, and then there's a leaven in the loaf. Every single time in the Bible, leaven speaks of sin. Every time, leaven speaks of sin. Leaven is literally a putrefying factor. It's rot. And what ends up happening, you guys, is when the leaven comes in, the Bible says, Galatians chapter 5, verse 9, that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. This is the same thing over in the book of Corinthians when Paul is communicating to the church and he says right there in chapter 5, verse 6, your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump since you are truly unleavened. And in closing, you guys, let me just share with you this what, what I, I think the Lord is really trying to teach us today, you know, that, that we need to be aware of what's really going on. That not everyone who names the name of Christ is a Christian. And so be careful who you hang out with. Be careful who you go out with. Is there a life, a life of obedience? Be fair, careful who you put in ministry. Be careful, you guys. Not only is there awareness, though, there's an awakeness. And it's kind of cool because we can use these two parables here to help us with that. You know, um, when I think of the big tree, and I think that, you know, when I think of the time comes where it gets so big that the birds come and nest in his branches, you know what I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of a life, a ministry, a church. It's so big that they're out of control. They don't even realize the enemy's in there. There are some ministries, some churches... Some lives so busy, so big that the enemy comes in and he just has his home right there and he's making a nest in his branches. And we got to be careful with that when things get big, when things get busy, that we never lose sight of the fact that we are responsible to make sure that the devil is not welcome in this church. See? And, and we could go on. There's a lot here, but it's kind of weird. One is like the big thing out of control and the other is the little thing. The little leaven, areas of compromise. You know, a little leaven in your life, a little sin that you allow in, will leaven the whole lump. And that's why we cannot compromise. You know, and unfortunately, we see that so much in the church today. Well, it's just a little leaven. Oh, it's just a little sin. Oh, it's just a little cleavage that I look at. Oh, it's just a little beer. It's just a little drugs. It's just a little compromise. And I'm just telling you that if you allow Satan that in your life, if you allow him your toe, he'll get your foot, he'll get your neck. We can't give him that. We have to have, I like what Moses said. You know, If you read the story of Moses, you're going to find that Pharaoh offered Moses compromise after compromise. And Moses did not compromise. Till the very end, this is what he said, No way, Pharaoh. We're not leaving this place. We're not leaving anything behind. Not one hoof will be left behind. And that's the way we need to be. We cannot compromise. Not one hoof. Not one area of your life. Not one day. Not a little sin. Not a little fox. We need to make sure that we give God what belongs to him, you guys. Because if not, the enemy will come in. This is the way it works. Well, how will the enemy come in and plant bad seeds among the good soil when we sleep? Well, how do we sleep? Well, when things get so big and busy that we lose control or when things get so small that we think they're insignificant. And then that little leaven, leaven is a whole lump. God wants all of you. God wants all of you. You know, you've probably heard that saying, you sow a thought, you reap an action. You sow an action, you reap a character. You sow a character... And then you reap what? A destiny. How did your destiny end up there? All the way back to your thoughts. And that's the way it is. The enemy comes in and little by little he gains ground. And so I just pray that today we would have these things in our heart. The awareness, the awakeness. Beware of the birds and the branches, man. When things get so big, don't lose control. And even in those small areas of your life, Don't compromise, you guys. And then the Lord will just allow us to go forward. And in this battleground, He'll give us the victory. I am excited. I am excited with what God's doing in your life. I really am. But we cannot let our guard down. You guys, we've got to go forward. One last thing that I think the Lord is wanting to communicate today. If you're not a Christian, if you have not really yielded your life to Christ, then today... Today you need to come to Christ. He spoke about the day, the day of harvest, where they would take and then they would bundle these things and they would throw them in the fire. That only happens to those who don't choose Christ. And so today I encourage you guys to give your life to Him. Live your life for Him. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much, Lord, for Your Word. We thank You for, Lord, the warning, Lord, to us. um, How you want to remind us, Lord, that this is not a playground, it's a battleground. And Father God, I just pray that we would be aware, Lord, that we wouldn't sleep, Lord, so the enemy could come in and plant bad seed. Not in your church, Lord. Not in the ministry, Lord. Not in the home, Lord. Not in our heart, Lord. I just thank you so much, Father, for... Allowing us to be here and just to study your word. And so, Lord, in the big things, Lord, help us not to lose control or to look the other way. And in the little things, Lord, help us not to compromise in in any way, Lord. May you help us as a church, Lord, to live for you. To be excited about you. To be passionate about you. To let it not just be a way of life. Let it be our very life. Let it not just be Sundays, Lord, let it be every day. And Father, just in case there are any here today who don't know you, Lord, I pray today, we pray as a congregation right now for them, our loved ones, Lord, that they truly would yield their life to you, that they would turn from their sin and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Lord, we just thank you so much, Father. We love you and we pray together in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Let's all stand. If you're here today and and you need prayer, uh, we're going to hang out up here for a few minutes. You just come on up. We've got some more.